Our second reading today reminds me of a time whenever I was a junior in college. I just got a new spiritual director, and he assigned me a book, a book titled The Fulfillment of All Desire. I don't know if you've ever heard or read this book, but I can't encourage it enough. It's an exceptionally powerful book. It's basically, its book description is it's a guidebook for the journey to God based off of the wisdom of the saints. Written by Ralph Martin, one of the premier theologians of our country. He's a teacher at Sacred Heart Seminary College in Detroit. It's just an excellent book. Anyway, I knew that it would be a good book the minute I read the preface. And what the preface basically said of this book, it was about 11 pages long, was this. Holiness is not a luxury for priests, deacons, nuns, and lay people with a lot of time on their hands. No holiness is a requirement for everyone. Holiness is a requirement for everyone. This great truth was taught, yes, by Ralph Martin, but it was also taught by the Second Vatican Council, Chapter 5 of the Dogmatic Constitution of the Catholic Church, Lumen Gentium. Basically called for a universal call to holiness. But it is most especially the focus of today's second reading. Our reading today is a salutation. Now, what's interesting about this salutation is these days when we write salutations, we put it at the end of a letter. So, give you an example to whom it may concern, blah, 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 sincerely, in Christ, blessings, whatever. Father Pellissier, parochial vicar of Our Lady of Wisdom, director of campus ministry, you know, roommate of Father Sibley, whatever. Like, just kind of include, you know, this extra stuff. Well, Back in ancient times, to kind of give you, be a little bit more efficient, to tell you right off the bat who's writing it, they wrote the salutation at the beginning of the letter. And that's what we're hearing in our, in our second reading. The salutation of, this, of the first letter to the Corinthians, which it says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, a little bit better than the roommate of Father Sibley, by the will of God, and Sestosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, who is in Corinth? That is in Corinth. So, you know, instead of to whom may concern, to you who are in Corinth, to you who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be holy. Called to be holy. Now, this is significant for two reasons. Number one, we are talking about the city of Corinth. Now, this doesn't mean a whole lot to us now because we're 2,000 years removed from this city. But back in the day, compared to all the other cities that St. Paul was writing to, this one was by far the worst. All right? The reason why we say that is because it's a port city. And port cities are known for, number one, their diversity in religion. Lots of different people of influences are coming in and out of the, out of the place. Number two, their incredible wealth. These people had money like it was nobody's business. Number three, the Corinthians were big, like a, lot of, like a lot of Americans, were big into sports. The Isthmian Games were rivaled only to the Olympics. They were, they were games held every two years in honor of Poseidon, to appease Poseidon. You can imagine a port city wanting to appease the god of the sea. And finally, and this is, this is kind of what really makes Corinthi, the, the Corinth what, what it is, Corinth was exceptionally 
promiscuous. Port City, you could imagine that would be the case. Very, very promiscuous. In fact, there's an archaic term out there called to Corinthianize, which basically means, translation, if you go out Corinthianizing, it means you have to know good. That is basically to give you an example of what it means to be from Corinth and be in Corinth. Corinth, I would argue, is the closest city that St. Paul writes to that resembles modern-day America. It's like the Las Vegas of the ancient times. And it's a place that St. Paul is looking at and saying, you guys need to be holy. Our second significant part about this salutation. Even in the midst of this debauchery, even in the midst of these distractions, even in the midst of this promiscuity, this wealth, these games, you still have an obligation by your baptism, by your pre-sanctification in Christ Jesus to be holy, to go against the grain, to fight the system, and to reveal the almighty and loving power of God, even in a world that totally rejects him. You are called to be holy. That's exciting. But what does that mean, to be holy? Let's be realistic. What What does that really mean? There's a few definitions. One, given by Ralph Martin, in the fulfillment of all desire, holiness is to be totally in union with God. Union with God, close to Him. Perfect, awesome definition. But another definition, if we look at our first reading, says something a little bit out. It's a little bit different. If holiness is to be Christ-like, and Christ is the light of the world, then what it means is holiness is to be a light. And what is light good for? But to reveal things. You cannot see if you don't have light. We cannot see God if there is no holiness. Which means that you and I, whenever we hear St. Paul say you are called to be holy, you are called to be a light to a debaucherous, lost world that needs your help. So the question then becomes... How do we do it? In our gospel first reading, Responsorial Psalm proposed three ways, or three components to holiness. Number one, if you want to be holy, you got to serve. You got to serve your heart out. Listen to this first reading. The Lord said to me, You are my servant, Israel, through whom I show my glory. Now, let's talk about this. Israel's the nation of Jews, which means it has the purpose of living for this singular existence of serving God. That's it. That's the only reason why Israel exists. And so in that service of God, what does it say? Look, listen to what the Lord says. Now the Lord has spoken, who formed me as his servant from the womb, goes on to say about the glory of God. It is too little, the Lord says, for you to be my servant. To raise up the tribes of Jacob, to restore the survivors of Israel, I will make you a light to the nations. I will make you a light to the nations. Now, what is the translation? Israel, the, the purpose of Israel was to be a light to the nations. That's why it existed as a country. 
The only reason. The problem was Israel veered away from God time and time again. They had Moses, and they were a little bit faithful to Moses whenever he'd work some cool miracles, but then they generally stray away from him. They had Joshua, but after Joshua, they went into kind of a wild, wild west kind of mentality. They had Samson, but after Samson, they, 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 they became unfaithful. The point being is, after all these leaders, even the great David, they constantly strayed away from God and failed to serve him. Thus, they were not a light to the nations. And they were utterly destroyed by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. So, what does that mean? Guys, let's learn from Israel and let's actually serve. Let's not get wiped out by the Assyrians or the Babylonians. Let's be good people and let's live our lives for Jesus. Called to be holy, called to serve. And if we serve, we can be a light to the nations. Now, there's another component to this besides just simply service. It's found our response to real psalm. So number two. Surrender. So number one is service. Number two is surrender. Now what does our responsorial psalm says? It says the exact words that you and I need to say if we really want to surrender to God. Here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. Not my will. Your will. And guys, I promise you, that could be your prayer every single day whenever you wake up. Your life will change instantly. I can, my, one of my favorite, whenever I pray the, the breviary, which is the, the prayers that us priests are, are mandated to say based off of our vows, Tuesday, week two of the Office of Readings, antiphon number one is my favorite part. And you know what it says? Surrender to God, and He will do everything for you. Surrender to God, and He will do everything for you. That's real, guys. And that's what God really wants for you. Finally, number three, the third component of holiness. If we serve, if we surrender, then prepare to be surprised. Number three, surprised. Very often whenever I talk to people, I, I hear, especially whenever it comes to you know, in spiritual direction, I hear sadness. Father, why doesn't God speak to me? Father, why do I pray and nothing comes out? Why is it that I feel alone in prayer? Why is it that I feel dry? Why is it that I feel like there's nothing really happening? My response is, at least it should be, what God's probably doing is He's preparing to surprise you. And we can see this right here in today's gospel. Look at, John, look at what John the Baptist says twice in today's gospel. I did not know him. He's talking about Jesus. Guys, he's talking about his cousin, who he did know. For 30 years, he knew. His, their mothers met whenever they were, they were still in the womb. They knew each other. But even God in the flesh kept it quiet that he was the Messiah. Even John the Baptist, who was, according to Jesus, the greatest of men to walk the face of the earth, was not privy to this information. Even he was kept in the dark. And the funny thing is, it wasn't just about Jesus. He was kept in the dark of his own identity and his own role in salvation. If we read through the Gospels, what are we constantly seeing? We're seeing John the Baptist denying the fact that he's Elijah. I'm not Elijah. That's not me. I'm not Elijah. But what does Jesus say? What does God say? 
no, this is Elijah. And Israel did not listen to him. Which basically in translation means that you and I could be tools of the Lord and we might not even know it. We might not even be aware of it. In the same way John the Baptist was not aware that he was Elijah. In the same way that John the Baptist was not even aware that his own cousin was the Messiah, the Son of God. Guys, if you want to pursue a life of holiness, be prepared to be surprised. And some of those greatest surprises might not even be revealed in this life, but only in the next So I want to encourage you, my dear friends, we who dwell in a world very much like Corinth, full of distraction, full of debauchery, full of wealth, full of an obsession with sports, to stay faithful to God, to live out your requirement to holiness, to serve, to surrender, and be prepared to be surprised.